the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be together. Another fine, fine show coming together. I hope you will stay tuned today. Uh, We will talk in a few moments with Dr. Everett Piper. Now, Dr. Piper, we'll talk to him about this. He's got a piece up at Washington Times about uh, about the imbalance of the environmental movement, how they get off balance in terms of their approach. Um, and he's a great guy, a former president of a university, but also he's running for office. He's running for county commissioner in Osage County in Oklahoma, where he lives, excuse me, which is just awesome because he's a very capable guy. He's probably might be 60 years old, looks younger. But he was president of uh, Oklahoma Wesleyan University for about 15, maybe 18 years. He he was uh, made president in his 30s. Great tenure and a very bright man and all. It would be awesome if someone like him is serving at the county level. And so uh, we'll talk with him in a few moments. And then Jim Hollingsworth. Jim Hollingsworth is an old friend of mine. He has written a book on abortion, uh, which is wonderful. He sent me a copy. I was grateful that he did that. And um, he's a really thoughtful guy. Well, he's also got a piece up over at... um, uh, the American thinker on public education and the problem of public education. And uh, so we'll talk with him about uh, all of that and, uh, and, and more his book on abortion. Um, he's been a, a longtime um, uh, fighter uh, for the life causes, pro-life. And so his perspective will be uh, interesting. His book is called Abortion Compassion, Abortion Compassion. So we'll talk with him. All right. But before we get to that, what you need to know today, what you need to know today, the wink, the daily wink, a little piece, a little something for you to digest. And today, I want to tell you something. This will seem a little bit alarming, but I don't mean it as such. I mean it actually to be fortifying and to be real. Because if you looked up and you happen to know the um, number of men and women targeted by the January 6th uh, hoax, People's targeted for jail time and for arrest and for subpoenas and everything else. If you watched um, uh, Steve Bannon's uh, get convicted last week on Friday, and you, you know if you look up and you see the number of people that are canceled, the the out- outrage that is accompanied, you start to say to yourself, "What's going on here?" And I, here's what I want to challenge you. I spoke earlier uh, on Monday with a friend of mine who she is very savvy. She's been in, in uh, marketing and PR on the corporate side. She now works in the, I'd say, center-right conservative movement about things, about uh, uh, as a marketing PR person. She understands sort of where the American people are and all. And we were talking about how, you know, a third of the country or whatever number of percentage uh, is looking up and saying, oh, yeah, 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 Liz Cheney, they got it right. It's an insurrection. And they're being totally, totally dominated. By that narrative. And then we talked about how the big chunk of the country is looking up saying, man, this is a, the wrong direction, uh, what Biden is doing and what they're how they're targeting people. And you can call that MAGA America or you can call it what you want. And then in the middle are lots of other people that aren't sure what's going on. But here's what she told me, which made me think. I said to her, well, what, you know, what do you think? And she said, the power of big tech and the power of big media 
Now, I'm using those terms, as you, my listeners, know. I, I talk about the narrative machine, big tech, big media, big government. But she was saying the power of big tech, especially, to control what is seen, to control what is um, – in fact, she gave an example that she had heard from somebody. I don't know who she told me, but she said if you, you – Breitbart, which is – Breitbart.com has huge coverage of issues and huge numbers of followers and huge page views and all that. And she, and she was quoting to me that uh, that she had heard uh, reliably that when you do a Google search, you don't get Breitbart to come up. It, it, they, their searches are sort of blocked. They're 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 um they're filtered down. As an example, that you can't even know, right? It's the dog that doesn't bark. You don't even know what you're not seeing, right? You can see when someone gets suspended from Twitter, but you don't know what you're not seeing when, say, a search engine like Google. Or Amazon influences what books come up or whatever. Pick a topic. And in this conversation with this woman, I was drawn back. In fact, it reminded me of Breitbart. I was telling a story about how I was showing my son the meme that exists from when Andrew Breitbart did a, a, a like I did a quick interview or something. And he looks at the camera and he says, you know, they're trying to call us racist. They're trying to call us uh, would be Timothy McVeigh's. And he says, you know, you know, F that uh, harshly. But then he looks at the camera and with a sort of straight, this devious face, he says, war war. And here's what you need to know today. We are in a struggle that is, it's not minor. It is not a minor struggle. It, this is not a period where the people who are opposing the Americans, you know, opposing we the people that are opposing our families, that are trying to drive our education system into the, into the ground even more than they have. These are not minor things. They truly are at war with us. It, it is not a minor thing. And one of the ideas that I came away thinking about that I wanted to relay to you is they won't stop. They're not going to stop because Dobbs reverses Roe v. Wade. In fact, and we'll talk later this week in Michigan, uh, Planned Parenthood and the ACLU have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars to put on the ballot in November something that will a, a referendum that would roll back and create a right to abortion until you're born. Until the baby's born, you can abort the baby. Because why? Because Michigan has a law passed in 1936 banning abortion. And my point is, they're not sitting back. They're not stopping. They don't stop when there's an election that they lose. They don't stop when there's a silly a January 6th committee that looks ridiculous. They don't stop. And, to the point of my friend, they're not stopping on their war to take America away from us. And they're using bigger and bigger tools stronger and stronger instruments so that if you're big tech and you can control what I see, therefore what I know, you can control what I do. And you could say, well, Ed, can they really control it? Well, I would say yes. But if you want to be a, a, a slightly less alarmist, you could say they control what you see, they control what you know, and they influence what you do. They're able to steer what you do or your choices. You don't even realize it. That's big tech. Big media becomes the, the, the prop, the tool used over and over. ABC News video clip of the January 6th committee posted, and you say, wow, what is that? That looks serious. It's total nonsense, but it's washed. It's like, it's like laundering money. You launder the truth. You launder the truth, or you launder the lie through a system, and you call it the truth. That's what it is. It's lie laundering, just like money laundering.
but lie laundering. The way money launderers work is that you take money that has been illegally uh, gained and you put it into a legal business and then you pay it out again and then money's now clean. So, for example, let's do a silly example, but you own a, a cleaning, a, a, um, uh, a laundromat. And somebody comes in and brings money and they pump it into the laundry machine and they spend $10 in the laundry machine doing laundry at the laundromat. When you take the money out of that laundry machine and then go pay for a, uh, a burger, you've washed that money. You've cleaned it up. You've money laundered. And if somebody comes in and just, if somebody comes to the owner and says, um, uh, here's $10 and quarters, can you just go buy a burger? And, you know, maybe uh, you could give me some of that, you know, give me some money on the other side, buy a burger from me or give me $10. And you just wash the money off. You see what's going on. So that's why a lot of times illegal activities will have a front organization. Well, that's what we have. We, money laundering is a problem, and so is lie laundering. And the lie laundering is done by big media. They're the ones that launder the lies. Because big tech just steers. They steer what you see and what you know. They're using neuroscience. There's nobody at uh, CNN using neuroscience. They're just lie laundering. That's why it's so obvious. But here's what you need to know. We are truly up against the strongest, most influential opponents you could ever imagine. And that was my, my friend's point. She said, I, Ed, you know, you're very optimistic that there'll be an election in the fall where the people in this country in large numbers will reject the direction of the country. She said, maybe. But she said, I see the power of big tech. She said, I, I see the lie laundering system of big media and an absolute stunning power of big government. And she said, I'm not so sure. She said, she's not so sure. What we need to do is understand the opponent we're up against. We're not up against people of goodwill. We're not up, up against people that are operating in good faith. Forget it. It's out the window. That's out the window. That may have been true at a certain point in history. It's not true now. We're operating, with, with, again, we're operating against people of bad faith, of bad will, of evil. That's the truth of it. Not every one of them is evil. But what's behind them, the movement, it's evil, truly. And you should see that, whether it's destroying kids with the, uh, the LGBT agenda pushed on them, whether it's damaging our seniors, trying to you know, rush people to the end of their lives. It's another part of this pro-death movement is end of life. If you're not useful enough, they want to put you down. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. That's what you need to know. All right, we got to take a break. We'll be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. It's been far too long. It's crazy. As I was looking back at it, trying to find Dr. Everett Piper, when I first started doing my show now, four, four and a half years ago, he would come on frequently. He was then a university president. He had uh, written a book and uh, Not a Daycare had gotten him kind of famous because the book and his an essay about that led to the book, I think, is what caught, caught on. But then he wrote, Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good. He has been a great presence in, uh, in the media. And he's now a retired uh, university president, so he's uh, he's got his life back a little bit in terms of his intensity of the uh, academic schedule that would be probably be starting up right about now as you go back to school. Um, so welcome back, Dr. Everett Piper. How are you? I'm doing great, Ed. Thanks for having me on. You oh, know, when yeah. I retired, I went out. I yeah. proved I wasn't very smart. I, I bought a couple of horses and some cows. Uh-huh. Uh, and so I've been throwing good money after bad at what I call my Democrat. Because all horses are Democrats. Is they that right? They both the cash and produce a ton of 
crap every okay. day. There you go. Well, that's funny. Well, by the way, if you go to DrEverettPiper.com, you'll see all his books and his media appearances and all kinds of things. And uh, it's very helpful. And and so, I, but I, I, I pinged him this morning because I woke up and I, I realized that in the Washington Times, there was a piece uh, by him. And I and I thought, I've got to see if I can get him on the show uh, sort of last minute and all. And, uh, and lo and behold, we have him. So uh, first of all, that piece, let me give it the title right, uh, The Church of Gaia, The Church of Gaia, elevating the planet over people. Uh, Dr. Piper, I mean, you're very helpful talking about university life. You're talking about uh, free speech. You're talking about life issues. This one is interesting to me. Uh, uh, The importance of talking about environmentalism and how off balance it gets. Tell me, first of all, how did this come to you to write this one? What, What motivated you to jump in on this one? Well, actually, it's because I live in a farming ranching community right now, and I started doing some research uh, back to the days of Thomas Jefferson and James Madison and John Adams and George Washington and the importance of farming, of private property, taking personal responsibility for uh, what the prophet Micah called your vine and your fig tree. In fact, George Washington cited Micah 4.4. Uh, the book of Micah, chapter 4, verse 4, over 50 times in his correspondence with his fellow founding fathers, with the framers. He's, and that verse says, every man shall sit under his own vine in his own fig tree and shall not be afraid. Why was that important to Washington? Because he recognized that it's your vine, it's your fig tree, it's your ranch, it's your farm, it's your gate, it's your driveway, it's your home. And if every man has his own private property with the personal responsibility to cultivate it and improve it, that's what serves as a foundation to a free people. And in fact, this idea goes all the way back to Plato and Cicero and the ancient Romans. They built a free society, a Republican form of government on farming and private property and personal responsibility. So I I started looking into the environmental impact that's being imposed upon farmers by the elite. And how right now the global warming climate change agenda is shutting farmers down across the world, Sri Lanka, the Netherlands, and even here in the United States. And you know that's what my article's about. Is, uh, so is the, so the interesting thing about this, again, back to your experience as a university professor, is it's been a, it's been a couple of decades movement of uh, the media and the left to try to make it so a good person is an environmentalist. Right. As opposed to, you know, you and me and and meaning. But but environmentalists have almost stolen the term. Right. Because I, I can imagine Dr. Everett Piper speaking about, you know, God's creation. And yes, it's true that God did create um, the, the, the beetle and, and a mountain range. It's true, except that the hierarchy of creation is what you miss. Right. And that and that, that humans, man and woman stand above that in the hierarchy. But it has been decades of conditioning, you know, we the people to think, oh, the the good position is to be, you know, environmentalist, right? Absolutely. And the whole climate change agenda. And I would argue that a lot of the quote unquote science that's presented to us via the mainstream media on climate change is, is skewed. We know that they skew their data. We know that they're fudging their facts. I had a I had a scholar from, uh, uh, I believe it was the University of New Hampshire. His name is David Legate that came and spoke at Oklahoma Wesleyan University while I was president there on what causes global warming and climate change. 
it, you know, this used to be called weather, and now it's called a political <laughs> thing, global warmer, warming and climate change. And he laid up graphs for all of my students and faculty to see that showed sunspot activity as a correlation to the Earth's temperature. There's a direct correlation. You can see the graph go up and down with sunspot activity. It's the greatest cause of climate change. But yet the politicians want to convince us that it's anthropomorphic, that it's caused by you and me, when indeed the thing that causes it is the sun more than anything else. So you've got a lot of these variables when you want to, when you want to follow the science. But back to your point or your question, I should say, my point, and that is when you put the planet over people, you're going to make some pretty bad decisions. That's not the biblical ma- model. God didn't make man for the planet. He made the planet for man. We are charged to be the Imago Dei, the image of God. We're charged to cultivate the land, to improve it, to manage it, to make it better for humanity and for human freedom and human flourishing. That's the charge from Genesis. But the climate change, global warming activists turn it upside down and they treat us as if we are some sort of um, contagion, that Mm. we're a bacteria that is contaminating the planet and that we need to be uh, reduced. And they're actually calling for a 90% reduction in the human population. Eric Pianca, a professor from the University of Texas, has said this. And Jane Goodall is at the World Economic Forum calling for a return to pre-industrial age population, which would call for a 90% reduction in the problem. The problem, as they see it, is humanity. This is not a biblical worldview. Uh, Dr. Everett Piper is our guest, by the way, again, uh, on Twitter. He is at at Dr. Dr. Everett Piper. Uh, also, his website, which has a lot of his writings there and his links to his books, DrEverettPiper.com. Um, isn't that the sort of isn't it sort of the cause of all um, our problems? And that is an imbalance. Um, you know, the imbalance of our of our um, worldview. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm trying to too hard to do to do something, but it feels like so many people got just have all of us have gotten off balance in how we see things, and and so you're like, oh well. I mean, you know, I, I've been I've been actually spending a bunch of time recovering the theology of St. Francis of Assisi myself, because he is perceived as this tree hugging weirdo where he wasn't, he was completely focused. Yes. He celebrated creation, God's creation all around him in beauty, but the primary celebration was, and, and by that, by that, I mean, primary number one was Christ crucified and his image man. And yet we're off balance. We're, we're willing to save the dung beetle and we're willing to worry about runoff. And meanwhile, our kids are being exposed to the worst kinds of, of, of lack of education or miseducation. We're off balance. Absolutely. Um, Chuck Colson taught us that if you get the first things wrong, all your second things are going to be broken thereafter. And what's the first thing biblically? The first thing biblically is God created the heavens and the earth. It's a creation of God. It's not just a product of the primordial ooze. And God created man in his own own image, the Imago Dei. We are the image of God. And thereafter, creation is given to us to husband, to cultivate, to improve for the good of human flourishing. That's 
clarified to us in Genesis. But when you get it upside down, like you're suggesting right now, when you turn the whole equation around and you put the planet above people, you get stupid things like what's going on in Sri Lanka right now, where they've declared a national climate emergency and they've got 54.6% inflation. Okay, clothing and food and transportation and electricity is 300% increase. You know, fishermen can't buy diesel for their boats and farmers can't get fertilizer for their field. Yeah. And they've got a 50 to 60% decrease in crop yields. I mean, people are starving as a result of getting the equation backwards and putting the planet over people. Um, we're talking with Dr. Everett Piper. Let me last um, thought with Dr. Piper, because again, I've known him for years, university president, then he retired and was writing books and speaking. And one of the things now, besides being, I guess, a rancher, he's he's, he's a candidate. You're a candidate for office in the Osage County where you live, uh, the commissioner, district one commissioner where you live. Um, you're running and you're in a runoff in a month or so in uh, late August, I guess it is August 23rd. So again, I know you told me off air, people will say, well, wait, you were a university professor. You were all these things. You're running for county commissioner. And yet, if you want to get balanced, as you point out, you, you can wait to get your presidency balanced or your speaker of the house balanced. But if the guy down the block that is figuring out how you're going to get, uh, you're going to fund your school board or you're going to have water run off the commissioner, you, you know, it's almost like the Colson point. You can't, don't tell me you're going to get Congress right if you can't get the county commission right. Uh, absolutely. And why am I doing this? Because people called me and asked me to, period. I have no <laughs> career ambition to be a county commissioner. And why did they ask me to do this? Because the model is broken. And the COVID crisis proved to us that local government is the most important government because we had mayors of little towns in Oklahoma declaring uh, what you could wear on your face or couldn't wear on your face and when you could jog in the park and when you couldn't jog in the park. And they were giving police citations if you violated their little Napoleon edicts. You know, if you've got the right mayor and the right county commissioner, you're going to enjoy more freedom. COVID proved that to us because City X or Village Y was enjoying some constitutional liberty while their neighbor, you know, 15, 20, 30 miles away was shut down and locked down. So local government, local control, every man shall sit under his own vine and his own fig tree and shall not be afraid. George Washington, the prophet Micah, you have to go back to local politics and take charge of your own backyard or you're never going to fix anything. Yeah. Well, I, I, I love that you're doing it. And I love the piece uh, over in uh, Washington Times. Again, we'll put it up. Uh, thank you for writing it and, and for being so busy. And uh, great to have you back on the show. We have to have you back again. And uh, good luck in the race. Uh, less than a, uh, just about a month. Yeah, less than a month uh, from now. Um, and good luck on that runoff. I hope you get to serve. That would be great for Osage County. So thanks, Dr. Piper. Thanks, Ed. Appreciate All right. Attention. Yep. Great to have you. We'll be we'll take a break, everybody. Be right back. Don't forget, we'll put over on social media links to uh, Dr. Piper's site, as well as uh, the uh, piece that he wrote in The Washington Times. And we'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I have been looking forward 
for quite a while to talk with our next guest, uh, Jim Hollingsworth. Uh, he's well, he's an author. He sends a great email out. He's a, I don't, Jim, I don't know how regular it is, but I know when I get it, I read it, which is the most important thing you probably care about that uh, people will read it. And um, Jim Hollingsworth is he, everything from election integrity, a recent column that ran over at American Thinker, AmericanThinker.com. The title is Public Education Continue to Fa- Continues to Fail Us. And it's fantastic because it, it references one of my favorite uh, books on the topic, which is Crimes of, of Our Educators, uh, which Alex Newman uh, co-authored with uh, 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 Blumenfeld. I always forget his name wrong. So uh, first of all, welcome, Jim, to the program. How are you today? Hey, I'm just fine. And the weather's fine out here in Idaho and everybody's happy. Well, you know, Jim, I have to say, one, I'll get in trouble if I don't, because some of my great friends and colleagues went to Pensacola Christian College, including Jordan Henry, who I'm uh, off and on. And so you're a graduate down there. It's a wonderful school. I wish people, I hope people hear more and more about it because there's great, great education uh, going on there. And so that's wonderful. But you've written four books, Climate Change, A Convenient Truth, uh, Cortez, A Biography, The Ancient Culture of the Aztec Empire, and then Abortion Compassion. So first, before I get to Abortion Compassion, What's the deal with you and the Aztecs? How'd you get uh, focused in on that? Well, I actually, uh, it's a book that I really wrote about 20 years ago. I didn't have anything else to do, and I copied up a bunch of stuff from uh, an ancient uh, book that was written about 1850, and then I didn't think I could find a publisher. And then I got involved with a publisher, and I thought, well, I should I should rework that. So I reworked it for a life, just plucked out a life of Cortez, and then I thought, well, how about the Indians? Maybe I should share their side of the story. So I plucked out all the information about the Indians and put that into a book. So that's why the two books are they cover see. the same time period. I see. I see. Interesting. Fascinating. All right. Um, so, Jim, first of all, how'd you feel when uh, the Roe v. Wade decision was reversed with Dobbs? How'd you feel? Well, I was pretty excited, like everybody else was, but. Uh, the reality is that those who are against it are going to be fierce warriors against it. And uh, they're going to start hurting people. I mean, that's going to be the thing that will be common this year. And, uh, of course, I referenced that pretty heavily in my book on abortion. Right. But, um, you know, uh, one of the columns was in a magazine this morning that I was reading was talking about why did the states ever accept it in the first place? Because, it was a totally unconstitutional thing that what the Supreme Court did in 1973. Yeah. Um, Jim Hollingsworth is our guest. And again, his book, which is uh, published anywhere you get books. It's uh, actually, I think the uh, publisher is Covenant Books and it's out. My point is you can buy it on Amazon everywhere else. It's called Abortion Compassion. And uh, it's a great book, uh, Jim. It covers a lot of different ground. Um, but to your point on what's coming, um, I was talking to someone in Michigan in Michigan, the Planned Parenthood has a referendum on the ballot already in November uh, that would reverse the 1936 or 1935 law that banned abortion in the state. You talk about state actions in 1930s, uh, Michigan banned abortion. They didn't want it in their state. And they, already within weeks of the decision in Dobbs, uh, ACLU, uh, Planned Parenthood gathered 800,000 signatures, and they put on the ballot basically to say abortion on demand. And um, they're rolling over Michigan. And a lot of the people, I hate to do this, but a lot of the people that should know better are maybe celebrating or feeling pretty good and they might get beat. And a little bit of your point here is that um, nothing stops when Roe v. Wade is rolled back. You still have to figure out how to uh, build a culture of life. 
Well, that's what makes the book. You know, I wrote it before the yeah. decision was brought forth, but it's it's doubly important today because all these blue states that really believe that uh, that's just a glob of tissue and they're not a human being, we got a big job to convince them that, you know, you're actually murdering a child every time you have an abortion. They've got to understand that. And I hope there's enough pro-life people in Michigan to turn the tide on whatever they're trying to do there. Well, it's, it's going to be interesting to see if uh, if they can roll it back. But I guess my point is that a lot of people have to understand what's at stake. You know, they have to decide that they're going to, uh, uh, you know, find the next path into the battle because the the battle is, um, you know, is, is is not. Yeah, maybe it's not Roe v. Wade anymore, but it's sort of hand to hand. Um, Now, back to a, a different thing. Earlier on the program, I ha- early on this program, I had uh, Dr. Everett Piper and Dr. Piper, of course, was an educator at, at Oklahoma Wesleyan University, president of the university for a long time. And um, the he, he just said, made a comment. He said, Chuck Colson said, if you get the first principles wrong, you're going to get the second ones wrong too, right? So that when I turn to your piece, we're talking with Jim Hollingsworth in the, uh, in the uh, American thinker, public education system is failing us. How do we ever expect good decisions from our fellow citizens when our public education system is so off balance? Well, you got to go back 150 years to John Dewey and see that this is not something that just happened overnight. And now we have a whole generation of adults that are like 30, 35, 40, 50 years old who have been trained that, that socialism is the, is the right way. And uh, our whole public education system depends on textbooks, the teachers union and teachers colleges. And they're all together and they're all very liberal. And it's just like Washington, D.C., which is 95% Democrats. You can't expect anything different. So uh, some people, and I referenced it in my article, some people believe the only solution is to just homeschool your kids. Well, and you know, Alex Newman, who is uh, is one of the authors of the of that uh, that book I referenced, and, and one of my favorites, "Crimes of Our Educators," because it, it does a sort of history, as you point out, um, and then comes forward. He used to say, "Fix our public schools." And about two or three years ago, before COVID, he said, "I can't say that anymore." He said, "You just got to get out." You know, he, there used to be um, folks that would say, um, uh, "Ray Moore, my old friend Ray Moore, would uh, Project Exodus." He used to say, "Get out and and just get out." And people would say, "Well, can't you make the one I'm in better? Can't you change?" those things up. And they basically Alex Newman said, you can't, but Jim, um, a lot of people can't, don't have that option, right? They can't take their kids out of school. I mean, they, and, and I know I've had Sam Sorbo and others that say, no, let us coach you on how you can do it, but they don't feel like they have the option. Um, can we fix the public schools at all? Well, I've known Alex Newman for a long time and I think he's a great guy. And I think that his change of position is certainly worthy of consideration Maybe if we could change the public schools, but here's something you have to deal with. You know, we've had folks that we've pushed and helped get elected to school boards. And once they got there, they realized they didn't control the staff. They didn't control the curriculum that was done by the state board of education and so forth. So we got to make changes at the state level if we're going to affect any change. And the worst thing is, you know, I, I went and sat in the classroom because I wanted to know how they were teaching and learning to read. But I really didn't learn much because they didn't let me see anything about exactly how they were teaching. So they can say, well, we don't teach the critical race theory, but they can call it something else and it's still the same thing. And so to get around that, you just about have to have some loyal teachers that will tip you off. 
Well, and you know, uh, the, the late Phyllis Schlafly, for whom I worked uh, for years before she passed, she used to have someone go to the NEA convention, the National uh, Education Association, the teachers unions, and, and, and find out what they're doing. That, they, they now mostly post everything. You don't have to even sneak in. They used to have to sneak somebody in to find out these resolutions. They're pretty, they're pretty brazen. Um, you know, uh, Jim, we're talking with Jim Hollingsworth again. His book, which I, I, I moved over pretty quickly, we can maybe talk another time too, Jim, is called Abortion Compassion. It's, a good, it's good for right now because of the reality that we still have a lot of work to do and it's uh, motivating but we're now talking about one of his pieces over in uh, American thinker um, Jim that the the, uh, the, the the question I have on the education system is um, as you point out that the the the, the uh, movement to reform them kicked in but it's hard to sustain you'll remember this with me the common core became a focus of a lot of conservatives they said we have to stop this and it kind of went away. I mean, Common Core didn't go away. The fight went away and people said, oh, good, they're, they're not going to do it. Well, I, they, you know, the Department of Education under Donald Trump didn't get rid of Common Core. There were a lot of name changes and a lot of shifting, didn't get rid of Common Core. And I wonder if we can have a sustained effort to change the school systems. In part, I would say, because I, I would hope, I always hope there'll be a, a unifying moment with African-American leaders who say the worst thing in our country for poor African-American boys and girls is our school system. And yet we don't seem to get that. Well, I have a friend who worked for George Bush and he was uh, a part of the uh, Department of Education. He told me, he said, there are 4,000 people in that department. And he said, I can't see that they accomplish anything. And I think (laughs) the first thing we had to do as a nation is to stop all federal support of education, because all that does is pay teachers more. It doesn't improve education. Education quality has gone downhill for the last hundred years. And uh, if we really want to see quality education, then we need to stop concentrating on spending more money, concentrate on academics, concentrate on some of the moral issues. So like when we took Bible reading and, and prayer away from our schools, that was a terrible mistake. I mean, things like that are important. Yeah, well, Jim Hollingsworth, thank you for writing uh, uh, your books and also the columns. Uh, we'll have you back again, especially to talk about that as we go forward on this abortion uh, uh, issue, the set of issues that are happening at the state level. Um, we will um, have you back. Uh, thank you. Uh, great to talk. Jim Hollingsworth. Thanks, Jim. Hey, thank you, and I appreciate it. All right. We'll take a break, everybody. We'll come back. Uh, we've got a lot more. And also, I'll put over on social media links to uh, uh, Jim's book as well as uh, to his piece in The American Thinker. Uh, and we'll make sure you get his information there. So we'll take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We'll be back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now, the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Polling data does not support what the globalists are doing to our country. A CBS News poll reveals an astounding 69% of Americans say that our economy is fairly bad or very bad, most of whom choose the very bad description. By a 53 to 47% margin, Americans disapprove of how Joe Biden is handling the Russia-Ukraine war. And by a 70 to 30% margin, Americans disapprove of Biden's handling of inflation. Fully 74% of Americans feel things are going somewhat or very badly. The U.S. Constitution requires a two-thirds vote in the Senate in order to ratify any treaty, including the current proposal favored by globalists to expand NATO to include Finland and Sweden. 
This treaty clause in the Constitution is the provision most hated by the globalists, and there should be a conservative opposition to any attempt to ratify treaties that entangle us further in the European conflicts. Yet, Senator Mitch McConnell and the attendees of the World Economic Forum don't seem to have gotten the memo. Democrat Party voters are also toppling the globalists, by the way. The establishment preferred Democrat candidate for Senate in Pennsylvania lost by a landslide 33 points to a tattooed stroke victim whom no one would mistake for a globalist. In Oregon, globalism supporter and seven-term Democrat representative Kurt Schrader apparently lost to a school board member who criticized D.C. politicians for not addressing American needs. Incumbents were also surprisingly defeated in state legislative races in Kentucky and Pennsylvania. Challengers are emphasizing how out of touch congressmen are today. Joe Biden and congressional leadership seem intent on sending endless cash overseas to places like Ukraine without any accountability. And they're focusing on expanding NATO to provoke still more military conflict. No matter how powerful globalists may be, they are no match for a determined and well-organized group of American patriots. It's up to us to take a stand. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. As leader of the free world, America has a responsibility to stay strong in economics, industry, morality, and military capability. Never hesitating to say, America first. At phyllisschlafly.com, you'll see why the best foreign policy begins with a strong America. Join the conversation at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, wrapping things up today, let me do a little a conversation here. Um, Clarence Thomas, uh, I mentioned earlier in the wink, well, what you need to know, that I was um, reminded of Breitbart, Andrew Breitbart. And I went back to look at an interview that I remember Andrew Breitbart did um, with Peter Robinson of the Hoover Institution. When Peter Robinson does those great interviews where he... Um, you know, talks kind of uh, like Charlie Rose, but uh, Peter Robinson and conservatives. And it's a great interview. Uh, and uh, one of the things in there that um, uh, Andrew Breitbart, it's 11 years ago. So it was in, in 20, uh, it was in 2011, 2011. And Andrew Breitbart um, references the fact that the media goes after Clarence Thomas, that he, they, they always go after Clarence Thomas, he says. And he's like, you know, it's just outrageous. They go after Clarence Thomas. This guy's accomplished and all. And flash forward all the way to today. And over the weekend, uh, we had um, Adam Schiff, the congressman from California, go on TV and basically admit, in basically in all, all intents and purposes, he admitted that they're um, trying to subpoena or trying to force Ginny Thomas, the longtime wife of Clarence Thomas, to testify before the select committee, the January 6th uh, show trial committee. And he basically admitted we're do- they're doing it because of everything that's gone on and, and what role she played and meaning broadly the impact of her on her husband's job, not whether she was involved in January 6th, but whether there was interactions between her and her husband or something like that. He basically said, now think about what that means. That means that Congress is targeting a Supreme court justice and his relationships because they don't like him. 
And he's been around now for all these years, 25 years or so, not more than that, 30 years ago, almost 30, you know, on the Supreme Court for 30 plus or just about 30 years. Uh, and um, coming up on 30 years, I guess it was in uh, 1991, oh, a little bit more than 30 years um, and coming up on 32 years. But in the public eye, as a judge on the D.C. Uh, Circuit Court of Appeals and as the head of the EOC, probably for 40 years, close to it. And so. This Congress thinks it's OK to target a Supreme Court justice and his relationships because they don't like him. Not because that they there's any there's no facts that are presented. They're just fishing and they're fishing in the direction of the interactions, how the court functions, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I, my point here is that it, these people are so willing to drive down the respect for the institutions. It's breathtaking. It's and the fact that the media isn't all over Adam Schiff for what he's talked about and how he talked about it is crazy to me. It's crazy to me, and yet they're not. And so leave Clarence Thomas and his wife alone, for goodness sakes. I mean, at this point, it is completely out of control, completely out of control what they're doing and how they're doing it. And we ought to all be up in arms, really. I mean, imagine, I mean, imagine if you were targeting. I don't know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg for her interactions with her husband. I think he was a lawyer too. And what he was doing and, and where they were, what they, how they were talking to people about conservative policies. Or, or I mean, it's just crazy. It's, it's beyond the pale. All right, we've got to run. I want to say thank you, as always, to the great Noah Dingley, our producer. Thank you to uh, uh, Joanna Spilger, our associate producer. Thank you for listening. And we will be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin right here on the Pro-America Report. Thank you for listening. Visit ProAmericaReport.com to sign up for our daily email. And we will talk tomorrow. Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.